And welcome back, folks. It's your host, Big Stack Shugarts, coming at you live on another episode of the Stash It or Pass It podcast, where your weekly report for everything crypto, cannabis, and culture. Crypto being our weather report, cannabis, the traffic report, and the anything goes culture report. Thank you so much for being here with us. This is week number 10 in the books episode nine because technically if you are a stash it og you know that we started at episode zero for the introductions but again thank you so much for being here with us i can't tell you how grateful i am and how thankful i am everyone that's coming here stopping by to basically listen to me talk to myself or some of these conversations that we have here weekly are basically all the conversations i have in my head so Thanks so much for hanging out with me and my friends. We have another incredible show for you this week that we put together. This week on the Weather Report, we get to check back in with our man, Austin Barnard from Orchid Capital. He's finally back from Africa and touring the world, and we got to get down on DeFi. We also got a sneak peek with Marcus Moles. He's back, and he shared some really fun adventures he had as well, aka getting engaged and He shared some more Bitcoin knowledge with us, too. On the traffic report, we have a lot of exciting stuff happening with the National Defense Authorization Act and how the House was able to pass the Safe Banking Act. If you know us, you know we like to follow cannabis legislation, so it's a great episode. We got the doobs and don'ts with Dr. B and the fan favorite strains of the week. And last but certainly not least, We have a great mindful minute on the culture report. So please buckle up and get ready. And as always, don't forget to check those show notes. Our friends over at Voyager have a great deal going on right now. When you use that referral link and spend $100, you're going to get $25 of free Bitcoin. You're starting up 25%. It's a great deal. Another one that I have my eye on is the Fold Bitcoin Reward app. When I use that app, when I use that fold Bitcoin Visa checking card, I'm spending cash that I was going to spend anyways, and I'm earning Bitcoin back. One day that Bitcoin is going to be worth more than the cash I spent to earn it. So it's a really fun game. It's fun to spin the wheel. I highly recommend checking it out. It's the fold Bitcoin reward app. Another cool one on that list is the FTX exchange. You've heard us talk about them. Sam Bankman Fried. When you sign up with this app, you'll get 10 free dollars. It's cool just to dabble if you're interested. But again, none of this is financial advice. We're just having a good time. And as always, I like everyone to keep up with my love. Her name is Kelsey Aida, and she just came out with another incredible book. It's called Letters to the Universe. I will have a link to that and a link to her website as well. She is an incredible podcast. We're going to try and have her come over here one day, but hers is called High Vibe and she does it with her friend Lindsay and they got a really cool thing going on over there. So please, if you like what you hear here, or maybe you hate me, you should still go check her out because she's incredible. And so is that book, baby. So without further ado, we're going to dive right into the weather report and go see our friend Barnard. And we're back, folks, sitting here live with our weatherman, Austin Barnard. It's been too long. He's been all over the world. He's had his a birthday. We got a lot to catch up on. And of course, 
It's been a little rough out there. Bitcoin's a little down today, so we will absolutely touch on that. But without further ado, my friend, how are you doing? How you been? It's so nice to see you. Thanks, man. Appreciate the warm welcome as always. I feel like uh, last, I don't know if it was last time, but it seems like price likes to go down while we're talking so and then go up, up right afterwards. So let's hope that happens. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, when we first started doing this, you know, Bitcoin was uh, below 30K. So, you know, we're still uh, riding that that rocket a little bit since we've got this going. And, you know, we've got to learn a lot. We've got to share a lot of cool stories. You know, like we always like to say, none of this is financial advice. This is a journey. You know, I'm learning. Austin's learning. He's had an incredible run so far. And now he's really, you know, getting to uh, getting to help a lot of people, bless myself with a lot of cool information. And, you know, like we say, sometimes we're orange pilling our friends, but the same time we just want to spread this information but without uh just to get into it man so you were over in africa what was that like what was going on it sounds like a once in a lifetime trip but you know i know you're a world travel traveler too oh yeah africa can't speak highly enough about it it's such a such a cool place it was sp- supposed to be my honeymoon and wedding keeps getting delayed covid so my fiance invited her family a nice family trip happy it wasn't the uh honeymoon anyway it's it's more of a like india iceland type trip not really relaxing so yeah can't can't speak highly enough about it especially being an animal lover it's a must do if you're able to do that right uh one of the cool stories too is you know austin as we know is the founder of orca capital co-founder orca capital him himself and his partner jeff but uh you know when we were in college Austin loved orca whales. There were pictures of orcas in his room. Like there's, there's always a story. There's intention behind it. And then, you know, when Austin was in Africa, it was great. You know, he's sending me pictures, you know, share some of those stories. Like you had like elephants walking up to your backyard, drinking out of the pool. Cause you know, they weren't, they were on a safari, but it was like in that real natural habitat. They got to interact so close with certain animals that all their guides had relationships with him. He had, you know, apes running up and, you know, grabbing his fiance and stuff. So what, uh, what was that like? Yeah. So we started in Rwanda and did the gorilla trekking, which was absolutely crazy. Hiked two miles into the jungle in the pouring rain. There was about 20 different families of gorillas. Each was like 15 to 20 gorillas in there. The silverbacks, the alpha males, those were super cool to see. I mean, we were a couple of feet from them. They're the ones you can't look them in the eye. You, you look down and get submissive. But man, like you can't really describe that energy in, unless you're right there. So cool to see. And, and also that's where we, in our hotel at night, we hear this noise and we look out of our window and there's an elephant drinking out of our hot tub, which was really cool because in, in Rwanda, they said there's only, t- there's only 20 elephants in all of Rwanda. So wow. one out of 20 elephants was actually on our property and at our hot tub. So yeah, yeah really cool to see. Yeah, that's but incredible. The though, yeah, the orcas don't get me started, but that's that's what's really on my bucket list. I, I know in Norway you could swim with wild orcas, and, and that's a dream of mine. And it's going to happen. I want to put my mind something. I mean, if there's if there's something I know from knowing you, if, if you have your mind set on something or if something's your dream, you know, you're going to accomplish it. And, you know, I can... I can remember in college, you know, we're maybe juniors, seniors, whatnot. We're having fun. And, uh, you know, Austin and myself, a couple other guys, we spent a lot of time, you know, hanging out, watching a lot of uh, Shark Tank, different things like that, throwing ideas around each other. But, uh, you know, there was something about Austin. You talk to him, he'd sit there with a straight face and just 
list off like four things he's going to do. And one of those things was uh, be worth $200 million. And you're pretty fucking, you're getting there, my friend. So I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited to be on this journey with you as well. Yeah, 30 million or 200 million by the age of 30 uh, was the goal. I just turned 31 on Friday. Can't say I'm quite to 200 million, but I, I'm, I can't complain where I am right now. Um, I'm all about setting goals and setting high goals. Like, don't put a ceiling on yourself. Absolutely. And that's another reason why I'm so grateful that, you know, you decided to come on this journey with us, be a real contributor to this show. You know, I know how busy you are, all the different things you have going on. So again, I'm so thankful you're here and that you really put in some real time and dedication to this. So uh, just to get into it a little bit, you know, I know, uh, you know we got to speak a little bit off uh, camera, but you know, you shared some really interesting things, especially about Bitcoin, the market with it being down. And I uh, would just like you to, uh, you know, share that with everybody and, you know, with the market down today and just dive into that a bit. Yeah. So here we are, September 20th. Bitcoin is at 43,000 and dropping. Yesterday it was at 48K roughly. So it's one of those mornings you wake up and you're like, shit, do I go back to bed and pretend this didn't happen? But if you've been around a while, you know, this is nothing different. And, and you got to just step back and look at the bigger picture. Why am I in this space? What is the cause? What, like, what are the reasons for what I'm doing? And, and you just got to remind yourself that these swings are part of the game. And especially with this new emerging asset class. And so as long as your convictions hasn't, doesn't change, then your, the price shouldn't affect your, your viewpoint. And to go off that, September historically has been the worst month for pretty much all markets, but specifically Bitcoin. Out of the past 10 years, seven of the past 10 years have been red months. And the three years that did have a green September, the highest one, I know one was 4% and the highest one was 7%. I believe the other one was less than 4%. So I had low expectations going into September. We, we've been a little defensive uh, with a higher cash position cash position in the fund. And uh, I'm slowly starting to deploy as of today, looking at a couple projects here and there. Um, but at the same time, like when you are scared, this is the time where you should do some more fundamental homework and, and just uh, make sure you really believe in what you're, what you're doing. And every time I do that, it makes me want to just buy even more. Absolutely, because there's, uh, there's one thing I can tell you, during times like this, like we were saying, it's great to, you know, learn more, read more. It's always a great time to learn. But when the market's going down, you're going to hear a lot of like this, like what we like to call FUD, fear, uncertainty and doubt. You're going to hear a lot of talking heads on TV. People try to scare you and drive this thing into the ground. But then a year or two later, those same exact people are going to tell you how smart they were when they bought these fucking dips. So just be out there, do a lot of research, you know, own your decisions. And like we're saying, if you believe in this, then let's fucking go because I believe in it too. Awesome believes in it. You know, this is going to be financially, I think one of the biggest transfers of wealth in history. You know, there's a lot of cool stuff that, you know, comes with this as far as, you know, the cryptocurrency, new economy, what's going on with blockchain technology, you know, in this new uh, realm that awesome myself, I think you're going to have some really cool conversations are is a uh, DeFi and that's decentralized finance. You know, last week I was talking about Sovereign, which is DeFi for Bitcoin built on a side chain of Bitcoin called the RSK network. So 
like Austin was saying, he's looking into some other projects, myself included. And uh, we look forward to sharing some of that uh, as we continue to go forward. But, uh, you know, just to uh, keep it around our uh, conversation here um, again, Austin, I just wanted to say thanks. If there's anything else uh, that you see out there, um, I know this was going to be a quick conversation this week because you know, we are going to get our friend Marcus Moles at Austin knows as well on here this week. And we might touch on Solano a bit. Um, you know, that is another uh, network that's out there. But, you know, before we do that, Austin, have you, uh, you know, messed around with Solano? I know myself and you, we both like uh, Sam Bakeman fried FTX. They got a lot of stuff going on over there as well. So do you have any opinions around that? Yeah. So Solana, I've been buying up this month uh, as well as Luna. So Solana and Luna are two of my main DeFi plays that I've been adding to this month. And like you said, DeFi is, has been the hot topic uh, lately. And I'm in the boat where there's not just a winner take all in this space. So I'm kind of, betting on my multiple horses. And I think that the handful that do well are gonna way outperform the ones that don't do well. And since we're so early and everyone knows crypto, even if the even if it's complete shit, shit coin, there's still a good chance it could go up like as a good trade. But for me, I like to follow the money. Uh, Solana is backed by the biggest names in crypto. They got, they they, they raised 900 million or something the other day and that is all being put into the Solana ecosystem for new projects to be built on there. And and I could let Marcus go into more depth on Solana. Uh, Luna, Terra Luna is has been my new uh, research focus lately. I think it's pretty fascinating how they're um, using this elastic method to, to keep a, sta- a, a strong stable coin as well as encourage other people into the ecosystem and the their staking is kind of interesting where you, you, you're rewarded in, in all the other projects on the ecosystem. So you, you actually benefit from more projects coming onto the ecosystem because you could stake them and reward. You, you could get paid in their coin as well. And they, they all just help each other. So uh, DeFi, I think, is not just the next like little wave. Like, I mean, don't I'm not trying to downplay NFTs or anything, but... Right. DeFi is where we're really going to go after the banks and really just change the way that um, the way that finance works in the in the new world. Transparent, fast, decentralized, everything you want in like everything you want in a. Uh, Absolutely, no, I'm with you, and I hear what you're world, saying because. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean that's what uh, you know. Last week when I spoke a little bit, I got a little fired up, but. What's really cool about DeFi, everything that a centralized exchange, you know, essentially does with your money or your Bitcoin when you're putting it on there and trading it, what they're doing behind the scenes to be able to give you that interest payment, DeFi allows you to do that yourself, peer to peer, you know, there's a little bit more control for you as an individual. And then a lot of the times too, like with these banks, if you got $10,000 in that bank, you know, about 9,000 of that dollars are going into all sorts of different projects, real estate, who fucking knows bombs. I mean, maybe some good stuff, maybe not, but that's another thing that centralized banks have been able to do across time to like, you know, put in a lot of different things that makes it extremely hard for them to ever fail. So I love DeFi. We're learning a lot about it. You know, I'm just DeFi pilling myself, but there's a lot of cool DeFi projects out there. You know, another great one, uh, Kevin O'Leary, he's a big DeFi pusher. 
you know, I uh, encourage people to, uh, you know, that's Mr. Wonderful, you know, read up about him a bit, see what's going on. But uh, DeFi is a really cool thing. And I don't think it's going to be too complicated, you know, to teach it to people, you know, just don't be scared, be open. And uh, like we always like to stay, stay humble, right? Yep. And, and let me make a comment on uh, Mr. Wonderful. So yeah. I've been watching Shark Tank from a long time, just like everyone else. And like, I always liked his coming, him coming off as, yeah, I, I'm getting royalties. And for me, that's him, Mr. Big Dick. I'm going to take my, my size and, and show my worth. And I, I always respected him for that. But then for the longest time, he was bashing crypto. Right. And then he had an epiphany and he put, what, 3% of his allocations into crypto. And so when he did that, that was step one where it's like, all right, I respect this person because he had a strong conviction of something, but he remained open-minded and things changed. And he said, okay, let me reanalyze this on a non-clouded mind. And, and he, he invested like 3% for him is a lot of money. And then don't, I mean, fact check me on this, but I'm pretty sure he just doubled his allocation like a couple of weeks ago or the other day. Yeah. I want to say he's close to 10% now. Yeah, so th there we are. I don't keep up with everyone. I'm the more we get to know me, you'll see. I, I hyper focus on what right. what I do, and that's where I find my edge. But I do respect and I preach. And JB, or Jeff, sorry, you go by no, JB. You go, hey, hey, it's all good. Yeah, I, I've said this before. Uh, you have helped me to stay open minded and question things, and I think it's one of the most valuable traits anyone can have. And now I'm passing on complimenting Kevin O'Leary, who I kind of bashed after he was bashing crypto blindly. And, and he realized, hey, this does have potential. And now I'm going to dip my feet wet. And if I like it, which he did, I'm going to go, go heavier. And so, so props to him. And I'm, I hope maybe, I mean, he's also the ETF king. So maybe he could be like, don't be surprised to, be, to see the O'Leary all his things are like the O shares, maybe the OBTC. Right. right. Now with all this DeFi on my mind, all this DeFi that we're just spitting fire right now, you know, Austin, I wanted to ask you, you know, what is Orca doing? Is Orca getting involved in DeFi? Cause you know, I feel like, like we were saying, this is going to be the next frontier. I'm super excited about it. So would love to hear about what you're doing. Yeah. So I mentioned that I'm, I'm starting to buy some more coins. Like, Solana and Luna are, are, are what I'm eyeing right now, but we are actually almost to the point where Orca 3 and Orca DeFi, my third and fourth hedge funds, should be open within the month. And Orca DeFi is really going to change the game for me because for Orca 1 and 2 and 3, the way we are structured, we could only be trading coins that are on uh, U.S. regulated centralized exchanges that are institutionally verified in the fund's name. So that means if I want to go buy Solana, I could buy Solana, but I can't really trade or do anything on the actual ecosystem outside of really holding it. And so I've always been a biggest promoter in the world of experience as the best teacher. And, and kind of what I realized is like as much success as I've had with Orca, not fashion at all, but I, it's really stifled my personal education and innovation of of learning the whole space firsthand because I, I'm not allowed to do it in the fund based on our structure and our audit. So yeah, lately with Orca D5 and interviewing these auditors saying, hey, I want to start yield farming and 
doing X, Y, and Z exactly. Like, are you able to audit this? Because uh, not getting technical in the hedge fund world, but it's very satisfying to your investors to know that you're audited. So that way they can trust that the numbers aren't coming out of my mouth, that, that they're actually audited and, and real numbers there. But that's where I'm getting, I'm, I put a little bit of money together outside of the fund and I've started yield farming and on Luna and it's been going awesome. And so now I'm interviewing these different auditors for Orca DeFi before we open to say, hey, this is kind of like the general strategy I want to do. Are you guys going to be able to audit this? And I'm pretty much not going to take no for an answer. I'm going to keep interviewing different auditors until, until I find one that works. And at the same time, I'm picking their brain. Like, what, what is your guys' main concerns? What, what protocols do you, want, do you not like feel comfortable auditing? And that's kind of how I get a little pulse on the market and see what is legit and what's not legit. So that's the, that's the exciting time in my life right now. I mean, obviously I have the bit, all the admin stuff and managing the fund and, and everything, but the DeFi, like running Orchid, running an Orchid DeFi fund, the name of it, and not being able to actually trade on DEXs and, and yield farm and stuff. It, it's not even, that's like misleading almost. It's, it's right. so, I've been I've been farming the past couple of weeks and it's actually going awesome. This recent dip today, like I I wanted to see what happens to the to all my stuff when this happens. And today it I learned a lot and nothing super bad happened. So a couple more months of of doing this and then I'll be comfortable trading big money in the fund doing this. And and I, I I'm just every day every learning experience just further compounds my belief in, in the future of DeFi. I don't think the DeFi area is in a bubble. The NFT right. space, like the prices of art might be in a bubble, but the, the infrastructure is not in a bubble at all. And it's just, just getting started. Absolutely. Yeah. I agree with you there, man. I love, uh, you know, getting on DeFi and it's almost just like, like certain platforms you're learning like, you know, a new game or a new system, just like you would learn, you know, in Adobe or how to use Excel efficiently. But, you know, there's, you know, real implications to it as far as your money and what you're doing on there. But just to dive a little deeper into that. So you talk about yield farming. And now I know there's a lot of different things you can do as far as lending or, you know, getting loans and moving money around that way and other rewards. So can you just explain to us a little bit uh, more detail on that? And uh, I know we might get a little technical, but, you know, it just really does, you know, you do it in a nice way and it just, you know, paints that picture that, you know, there's going to be all of this opportunity for anybody. And that's another reason why it's so unique and important and incredible about where this space is going. Yep. So, I mean, every coin has its own um, coin metrics and, and way it does things. So it's hard to generalize overall, but I got Luna fresh in my mind. It's all I've been studying recently. And, and it's really fascinating to see how, how it works. But I, I'm actually staking, well, I don't know if it would be considered staking, but I'm, I'm, locking up, I'm locking up bonded Luna, which is like a, a wrapped version of Luna maybe. I, I, I don't know how to describe the bonded portion on Anchor. And I'm getting a loan, like a 50% loan to value loan and paid in UST against my Luna that is earning it, the Luna or the UST is paying me to take the loan. So let's say I put a million dollars in there. I could get a $500,000, a million dollars worth of Luna in there. I could get 500,000 UST, which is Luna stable coin. 
as a loan that is paying me interest to take the loan. I'm not paying them interest. They're paying me interest, paid an in anchor, not a problem. Anchor, I mean, today it's down 25%, but it's been on a rocket ship lately. And then I right. could take that UST and I could put it in liquidity pools or I could do whatever I want with it right. and earn even more interest. And I take the the like yield I get from the there and I just put it in something else or maybe I put it in govern. And then I, when I'm governing, I could get seven, eight, 10% for governing and then I could vote with it. And then I get 3.33% for voting. And it's just, this is all, it's still new to me, but it's fascinating. And, and the, I've been in the game for a while. And so for me to, to know it's new, I just know that this thing is very new and anyone that you guys know who are ahead of the game on it, like pick their brains because right. yeah, they do want to share their knowledge to get more people in the space, but also it's a, the yields are so high right now. You, you want to take advantage of getting in there. And, and, and it really just goes to see how the future of finance is evolving. Like I, I can't even imagine how it's going to be in a couple of years from now. Not to mention every single one of these different, like Solana and Luna, they could work together easily. Like there, there's no winner right. take all. Like the, you need to be able to have wrapped, um, like wrapped assets between coins. That's right. a no-brainer requirement for a successful coin in the future. Yeah, and then when we're talking about wrapped assets, so essentially that is uh, you're wrapping a coin and then a bit a bridge is being built between two networks and then you can pass those coins across each network. Yeah, so like if essentially you wrapped Bitcoin on Ethereum, you could pretty much use Bitcoin as a like on the Ethereum network right. and it holds the Bitcoin's value. Right. It's it's able to be used on Ethereum's network. Right, cuz I, I know Oh, I'm sorry. I was just going to say, yeah, because like on Sovereign, you know, I actually have wrapped Ethereum. I have wrapped BNB. Um, you know, they have a couple different stable coins on there as well. But, uh, but yeah, just to, uh, you know, just to say something. Yeah. So interoperability the, for them to communicate with each other and the coins to work with each other like that is is no question already proven. And it's so that just tells me if it's a requ I mean, I don't think anyone will argue that it's a requirement for a successful protocol. And, right. and, and many of them already have no problem scaling doing that right now. Right. Yeah. I mean, and that's the thing when I, when you listen to some of this, it can become a little overwhelming maybe to someone, but that's just where, you know, take it one bite at a time and then don't get scared because you're going to hear a lot of bullshit on TV, like, oh, what's a crypto? How's it all these currencies, blah, blah, blah. But when you dive into a individual ecosystem, that's what's cool about DeFi, because it's going to be, you know, multiple coins and projects that all work around. And it's almost building these little infinite, like tiny universes around those ecosystems. And that's how I like to look at it, too, because someone might get a little indifferent about it. But then you think about what banks do and how banks are moving money all over the world and moving it interchangeably within each other, taking loans out against each other, buying each other's debt, and then just printing a fuckload of money and debasing like what you already got in the bank too. So again, I see this as something, you know, the age of Aquarius, evening the playing field, bringing billions of people into a new financial market that is literally being built, you know, for everybody to participate and not like, you know, you need all these different agrees, degrees and, you know, you need to be letting to this club, that club, get all these different certifications. 
this is eliminating a lot of that and it's bringing it all to the table and we can learn these things just like we learned to play a fucking video game or just how we learn to use a computer don't let people scare you trick you or take you down that rabbit hole you can learn this stuff you have an iphone you have a droid whatever i guarantee you can learn d5 yep and like d5 is is a bank but better and cheaper and faster and more transparent and like how do why are one of my biggest pet peeves is the stock market, the financial industry, the banks, they're literally one of the most profitable, if not the most profitable uh, industry. Like why should JP Morgan and all these big banks be making so much money, but really what they're doing is just facilitating our money and, and taking a huge fee on it. Like right. if I will allow you to get a home loan that's backed by your own collateral, versus having to go through them and pay the ridiculous rates and you you're not to mention all the the savings accounts like that's not even a, anyone who has a savings account i mean start start doing your homework right i mean it's time to start doing your homework start integrating because obviously we know we get we're going to need some cash to pay some bills and do some things like that but there are applications out there that's one of the reasons for this podcast a lot of stuff we talk about you know, integrating the old market, the old way, the legacy market into the future. There's ways to do it. That's why we're here. And I'm so grateful for guys like Austin, other people we have on the show as well. I'm really excited for the future, my friend. Me too, man. I'm glad to be part of watching this thing online firsthand and super cool to see you have your own podcast that's growing. And and I'm actually learning a bunch from you too. I, I love uh, all the, the people you're bringing on and and I think I'm ready to the point to start helping. I'm, I have, I have an investor who I won't say his name until he gives me permission, but I'm going to try to get him. He's became a friend and he has been crushing it. He's an artist as well, but he's been crushing it on um, NFTs, not only selling his own NFTs, but trading them. And he, it's just caused him to fall in love with the technology and learn a bunch. And, and I think he'd be an awesome ad to the show. So Remind me after, and I'm going to try to get him on there. All right. Well, sounds good. And as always, Austin, thank you so much. You know, we will see you next week, maybe a couple weeks after that. You know, we never know with this guy. Sometimes there's a lot going on, but I guarantee you we'll hear from him soon. And thank you so much. Have a great week. And uh, as always, stash it. Thanks, Jeff. Appreciate it every time, man. Yes, sir. And we're back, folks, here at the Traffic Report, sitting down with my man, Dr. B. We got a great agenda today. We're going to be hitting a little legislation, and then we're going to go down to the doobs and don'ts, and we got a couple strains of the week. So just to get us started off, Dr. B, what do you have for us? I know there are some action lighting up. Yeah, JB. So the uh, Congress is trying to pass the National Defense and Authorization Act, and that they've been debating that, working on that this week. And the House was able to add in an amendment the other night, and they discussed it um, and, and were able to pass it in the House. Um, so got added onto the NDAA bill um, and moved up to the Senate. But the amendment was for safe banking, which we've discussed um, in the past, which is a pretty big deal, would allow banks to work with and lend to um, American cannabis companies. And like we'd said, it would eventually lead to companies being able to uplist um, to the to New York Stock Exchange. 
Um, so that that got passed, added in, and um, it's, it's up up to the Senate now. And you know, I, I don't know for sure. I don't I don't think it's going to pass in the Senate. I think they have the ability to, to take it out. Um, and Booker is Cory Booker, who uh, had sponsored the the cannabis bill. Um, he's he's come out against it and says he'd like to pass it along with with the rest of the bill um, and make it comprehensive essentially. And I think that's more just so. You know, they can get credit for it and their names will always be attached to passing both of them, him and Schumer. Um, so we'll see what what the Senate does. Um, there is a it does look like they have the ability to just take it out um, or to work it a little bit differently and maybe still push it through. I think there's still a little bit of hope. Um, but if I was betting, I'd bet that it doesn't pass this time. But it's still just a great thing that right. the Senate's, you know, the, the first time they're they're probably going to talk about this. And right. the first time it's it's made it that far. Um, so it's a good sign for the future. Um, yeah. And I mean, I mean, one thing too, so like the NDAA, so the national defense and authorization act, that's something that is passed every year. So yeah, annually. Yeah. That's our budget. Yeah. So when we hear about these debt ceilings being moved or raised, they'll do it before they, you know, pass this bill or if they have to do it even for a short amount of time before it is basically passed in this bill. So that's what I love about hearing because now the Senate, no matter what, is forced to talk about it or read about it or yeah. whatever. Because the House has passed the Safe Banking Act, you know, over to the Senate and it's you know just died at at the doorstep. So you know, like you're saying, it's great for the overall movement. You know, politicians want stuff attached to their names, but uh, yeah, it's definitely exciting. And you know, as we saw too, you know, markets were a little wild this week at the beginning, a lot of sell-offs. But as these conversations were stirring up. You know, we saw uh, saw a couple of our companies uh, heating up as well. Yeah, um, and and I do want to say the the reason this is getting included kind of with the NDAA um, is because they're they're kind of looking at it at, from the perspective of cartels are moving money, cartels are moving cannabis, right. and it's a national security threat. Right, um, and that's kind of what they've discussed is for, for that much money just be floating around and and. Uh, and the, the cartels to be involved, this would kind of hamper their, their, their operations and um, be a, be a big boost to, you know, corporate cannabis in America. Um, so that's kind of why, why they've been able to add it into this. It, it, at first it might look like it doesn't really make sense to get thrown in with the NDAA. Right. Um, but if you look at it from that angle, it, it does make some sense. Um, but yeah, in the meantime, it's just the fact that it's been getting discussed and along with, you know, Monday was a big sell-off because of the Evergrande stuff in China. Right. Um, but things bounced back once they look, once it, it became clear, they're going to be able to, to make their first interest payment. Um, and, you know, it's, it's been a really good week for pot stocks. Um, a lot of them are up. Speaking of which I'm actually looking and I'm on my phone. I was just buying some more Cresco. There we go. Um, but yeah, let's see what we're looking at today alone. You know, our big bad true leave is up six and a half percent. Green Thumb, Cresco, Cure Leaf are all up in between three and five percent today. Um, and they've they did similar numbers the last couple of days. Um, so been a been a nice little boost. Um, we'll we'll see if if nothing does get if it doesn't get added into the NDAA. Um, there's a chance this stuff will will be uh, red next week, but I think no matter what, it just gives you a, a little sample of, of what's going to happen when all this stuff does pass. And if and if the safe banking gets thrown in with the, the rest of the cannabis legis- legislation, um, I think it's 
you know, we're talking 10% gains daily. Right. Um, and they'll go on a nice little couple week run. Um, so yeah, that's good sign and, and been really good for the, the cannabis stocks this week. Um, and, and it's been a rough, rough go the last couple of months. So it's, it's really, uh, you know, I'm, I'm loving seeing it. Right. No, I, uh, I'm excited about it too. You know, we always say, this is a journey that both Reed and myself are on. You know, it's not financial advice. Always have to put that out there. But myself as well, I'm going to keep buying. Um, you know, there was actually a funny uh, little meme I shared the other day or whatever you want to call it. It was just a post on our Instagram, but it was about Warren Buffett buying Coca-Cola stock back in the day. And then, yeah. and then now how he's, you know, receiving these $300 million dividend payments and obviously, oh, yeah. you know, maybe I'm not necessarily comparing this to that, but who fucking knows, man? I mean, it's you know, some of these companies one day they'll be well established, very they're already profitable. Right. Um, so you know, at some point they will some of them will be giving out dividend payments, I would imagine. And right, you know, and some of them might get bought out by bigger companies eventually. Um, so that you know might that, be the goal for some of them too. It's just yeah, it know, definitely is. Yeah, an industry like this is gonna affect so many more things just besides you know, plant medicines, alternative medicines, it's going to start to get back into, you know, clothes and paper, petroleum, yeah. making, I mean, you can make plastic out of fucking hemp. So, I mean, there's a, there's yeah. a lot of things um, in the future that are way, way, way outside of, you know, using it for recreational purposes or medicinal purposes or whatever. So uh, again, I'm excited. All right. And now here we are with my man, Dr. B, and this is round two of Doobs and Don'ts. Now, last week, we shared a don't with our ex-friends there over at Truly. So you can check out our YouTube page if you want to see that. But this week, we're sitting down with Dr. B, and he has something for us. So what is it, my friend? Yeah, this week is going to be a doob, and it's a do. When you're when you're consuming edibles, do consume them in moderation. Build up, you know, eat a little bit, let it uh, affect your body, and and see how you're feeling before you just consume a ton of. Um, it's it's a little easier to do when you're um, dealing with products from the rec market or the the medical market, um, because those are dosed somewhat precisely. Um, there's, you know, the the testing on it isn't always perfect. Um, and there's a, a decent margin of error. But that's another that's a, a conversation for another time. Um, but overall, those are those are dosed pretty precisely, so you know kind of exactly what you're getting for the most part. Um, whereas with black market edibles, you know they're not dosed as, as precisely. Um, so with those, you definitely want to start small, wait an hour or so, see how you're, see how it's affecting your body, um, and and if you feel like you want to take more, take more. Um, and you know another thing we we're saying is is there's a lot of people whose bodies just don't even process uh, cannabis when it's consumed orally. Um, so those, those people, you know, they can't even really get high from eating edibles. And then there's other people that the, the tiniest amount of edibles send them to the moon and back. Um, so if, if you're new to it and, and you don't, you're, you're trying to, you know, navigate new waters, um, definitely take, take a conservative approach. Right. Um, Cause a lot of people, I think, it's pretty common that people, you know, do too much and their first time can be a, a bad experience with edibles. Um, so it's always, always recommend, you know, eat a little bit, let, let it set in, 
eat a little more um, and build, you know, um, and, and for your average person, I, I think five to 10 milligrams shooting for that kind of dosaging um, is pretty standard. And, and you know, I, I think that's what I'd recommend. And then there's some people that, you know, they need to take 40, 50 milligrams at once to really get, get the high that they're looking for. But especially if you're new to it, start small, build, um, and you'll have plenty of opportunities to take edibles. So you don't need to go all in on your first go and have a bad experience and be traumatized and never want to try it again. Right. So like we say, dube, practice moderation. Absolutely. That's a great dube. And just to add on to that a little bit too, you know, I've heard some different stories from, you know, maybe people's parents or people that haven't you know, necessarily been around this culture or atmosphere a lot. And sometimes they gain the courage to maybe try that edible or hit that joint after they'd already been drinking. So I think yeah. that's a, another thing too, but especially with edibles, because, you know, I'm not a scientist or a doctor, but, you know, I do know there is something to how that alcohol can, you know, activate the cannabis and whatnot and like create an effect that can be, you know, way over the top that you might not be ready. Yeah, as we call it, the, the, you get, you can get the spends pretty easily. Very, yeah. You know, if you've so, already been drinking and it's not a pleasant experience at all. Right. Yeah. I know, uh, you know, me, for example, you know, I don't eat a whole lot of edibles, but when I do buy them, you know, I like to break them down and, you know, work myself into them. I'm a bigger guy, but, you know, right now, for example, I haven't been, you know, using as much cannabis, you know, really not smoking up. It's been almost like almost two weeks, but I've still been, you know, using Delta 8, CBN, I believe, or CBG, trying these new uh, products, you know, without having as much THC consumption going on around me so I can, you know, judge the effects, how I feel about them. And an edible that I've been using recently is, um, you know, so these are Delta 8 uh, edibles and it's, uh, you know, a little Rice Krispie treat, uh, really good. But, you know, that being said too, how, you know, I can like scan the QR code, read the facts, whatnot, lab certified and all that. But still, you know, you still don't, that may not want to take that whole hundred milligrams at once. You know, I'm not doing that because they actually have, you know, five, 100 milligram, you know, edibles in there. I'm like, I mean, 100 milligrams of anything might be a lot. So, you know, I'm cutting that thing up into fours, started small, but, you know, I can tell you it's been great. And one thing I have noticed compared to like THC edibles, for example, is I can feel this one pretty quick. Now, I don't necessarily know why, and I don't know if maybe that is good or bad, or maybe it's something with the Delta 8, but, you know, it definitely sets in about 30 minutes and, you know, I'm feeling good. I've been sleeping great. Actually, I'm down in Alabama, so back's a little jacked up, but I'm still getting full nights of sleep without waking up. And I'm crediting, crediting that to these Delta eight edibles. So thank you, Mad Chill and Rice Krispie Treat Delta eight edibles. <laughs> but uh, that should just lead us right into our strains of the week. And I know my man was talking about a little mimosa and we're not talking about brunch, baby. So let's hear a little bit about that mimosa, my friend. Yeah, man. I mean, I'm just, I've been smoking mimosa a little bit this week um, in the evenings, um, you know, and it's, it's a really, really pleasant smoke. Uh, you, you got the Leafly pulled up on it? Yeah. So I got the Leafly pulled up here and it's, I just like to ask, you know, just to maybe hear a little bit before I read it, cause it is, you know, it's a hybrid, <laughs> but it's a, it's a hybrid in the way where when you smoke a little bit, you might get that energized, a little bud, but you know, yeah. if you smoke it a little heavy, you know, it's going to give you like an ultra relaxed feeling. So just yeah, and it, but it, it has really the really sweet aroma and taste to it. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, it's always been one of my favorites. It's, it's a beautiful, 
beautiful flower, great strain. Um, and I'm smoking some really, really top shelf stuff from, from Michigan. Um, grown, grown beautifully, looks beautiful. It's got the flowers have a little bit of a purple tint to the color. Yep. Um, and it smells so sweet. No, that sounds great. Yeah. Reading it right here. Mimosa also known as purple mimosa. Cause as you were saying, how you see that tint of purple, yeah. you know, mix in there with those hairs and the trichomes, but it's a cross between Clementine and purple punch. And it really does have that look to it. When you think about those little itty bitty Clementines. Yeah. So yeah, Clementine, you got, the, that's where the sweet notes come from. Um, you know, it's orange, orange tasting, smelling bud. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, the purple man makes it look just gorgeous. Absolutely. Yeah. We were talking about this off air a little bit, but even when you get on Leafly and you do a little bit of research, so right there, it takes you to cross between two strains, but then you follow those two strains uh, lineage. I mean, it can take you back about, we're talking into 10 to 12 different strains, you know, a lot of these really going all the way to Afghanistan. Cause there's a lot of, um, you know, Afghani uh, Kush and whatnot. Mixed yeah. And that's, that's one of the original um, land races of cannabis. So, so everything's kind of derived from these original um, land races and, you know, the, the Afghani Kush or whatever it is, is one of the, uh, the original ones. Yeah. It comes, comes from the mountains in Afghanistan. Yeah. Yeah. People went out and hunted those seeds down and, you know, a lot, a lot of present day genetics are derived from that. Yeah, I think it's uh, so interesting when you just can really dive into it a little bit because, you know, it's even so much more and there's so much that brought all this together over these years. You know, we had uh, talked a little bit about cannabis hunters, um, you know, maybe last week or even we just had that discussion. But yeah, there's a show that me and Reed used to watch where this guy went and like, you know, to go find these original strains from the original ground that they came from. And another thing that was cool about that, too, is because you saw all these different kinds of cannabis from all these different kinds of places in the world, essentially always being this sacred plant medicine to all these people with all these healing ailments, but then also, you know, connecting people and maybe ritualism or spiritual uh, aspects too, but all of them were always, you know, helping people. And that's <coughs> people, Excuse me. Oh, bless you. That's how these people yeah, viewed, you. Uh, you know, the plant. So always some fun stuff to take yourself on a little ride there. And uh, what I'm actually smoking this week, it's a little Delta 8, so not as heavy, not necessarily, you know, what we're reading here on Leafly, but I got the Grape Ape, and the Grape Ape is an indica, you know, because I needed an indica dominant. When I'm off of the THC, you're still kind of chasing that, uh, you know, that full relaxation, but I've really been enjoying it. It is a uh, indica dominant, and the, uh, that is a strain between uh, Mendocino Perps skunk and afghani so again both of our strains this week led us back to afghanistan and uh i'm enjoying them afghanistan man it's in the news and it's in our news and it's great and it's in my lungs baby but, yep and sorry man i guess i got the mowing crew outside right now <laughs> it's all good man hey they're mowing grass we're smoking grass. we're mowing grass yep we're smoking grass. <laughs> beautiful well, that's a wrap this week for the traffic report. Sitting here with my man, Dr. B. He's going to continue following what's going on in the House and the Senate. We'll see what's happening in these stock markets. But thank you so much, my friend. And we will see you next week. Cool. Thank you very much. Yes, sir.
And here we are, folks, back on the weather report with the infamous Marcus Moles. We're so excited he's here with us today. You know, he has actually been out of town a bit. He's had a couple really exciting life events happen. We'd love to hear about those a little bit. You know, I'm coming at us live from my, my it's kind of funny, from my mom's basement here in Alabama. But, uh, you know, we love this show. We love getting these stories out, this information. And, you know, this is how we're going to win. And now I'm not in my mom's basement because I have to be. It's by choice. You know, I came here to surprise her for her birthday. But again, this show's important to us. You know, the information we're bringing out to everybody and these stories are important to us. And this is how we're going to win, baby. So, Marcus, thank you for being here. How's it been these last like month or so? And, uh, you know, how's everything looking out there? It's, it's so fun to be back on this podcast with you. I feel extremely honored every time you, you ask me to keep coming back on it. I feel like, you know, it's just, it's nice to just have someone to talk to about crypto and stuff uh, besides yourself. So happy birthday to your mom, uh, first of all. Uh, uh, things are good. I was gone for months in New York. I'm, that's where I used to, used to live. And my best, my best friend got engaged. My other hockey buddy got engaged. I've got married at both those weddings. And then I, I ended up getting engaged as well, making that next, next, uh, life, life step. Um, so thank you. Thank you to Bitcoin for paying for the ring. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I was going to say. I mean, I saw some pictures. They're incredible. Marcus is also, you know, a photographer. He goes on some really cool little hikes and journeys and whatnot, but you know, I saw this huge rock on on his uh, on his fiance's hand. I was like, "Well, somebody pay or uh, sold some of their Bitcoin, and maybe that's why we're dipping now." No. <laughs> Possibly, I, uh, yeah. Uh, that that ring could be worth a lot of money someday. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, uh, well, yeah, that's I'll, I'll a lot of people will talk about. That's like a that's almost it'll probably be like one of my. Bitcoin pizza moments. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, congratulations on all of that. You know, Thank myself you. Uh, as well. I've started that process as far as, you know, ring shopping a bit. So, uh, you know, I can only imagine it was definitely, uh, you know, fun and new experience for yourself uh, while a lot of this stuff has been going on too. So thanks again. Yeah. But uh, yeah, to dive into the weather report a little bit, you know, looks like Bitcoin is cruising at about 43.5, 44K right now. Uh, you're going to hear a lot of FUD coming out of the news, a lot of different things going on. But, you know, I love when, you know, the way Marcus can articulate certain things and he keeps up with variety of on metric and off metric uh, things that can potentially, you know, affect Bitcoin and what's going on. So, you know, Marcus, what uh, what can you share with us today? Um, well, I, I knew we, we were going to have to, we were going to grind up. It's good. I knew it would be a grind to get back to I need, I need a dope, dopamine hit, you know, I'm waiting for the new all time high, but I knew it'd be a grind. I, I said to my newsletter before I left, took a month off that it'd be 40 and K in August, 50 K in September. And we hit 50 K in September, but we're kind of struggling again. And then 90 K in October. Uh, I think that's where the fireworks would start. So I tweeted something this morning saying, you know, all this fun with tether, whether it's, you know, what if they have full backed reserves for Tether, the energy FUD with Elon and China banning it, and then the Evergrande stuff where even yourself and other people were comparing it to Lehman if it was going to bring down the Chinese housing market. And, you know, I, I really wasn't that worried about it. I mean, these governments are, they don't want to lose control. They don't want things to get out of hand and they're going to 
put the put the money printers on and all of a sudden the equity started to slump and people started to get really scared and all of a sudden i think it was yesterday they're going to start they injected some billions of dollars back in the system keep everything together so if all this fud and china banning bitcoin banning bitcoin and equities you know seem to make a have made their low i i, I don't really know you know what's going to stop bitcoin from going to 300k in the next nine months yeah, i'd love to i'd love to hear that and uh, just to speak about september too you know austin and myself talked about this a little bit and historically september has never been necessarily a great month um you know for bitcoin either so you know yeah. your trajectory and you know i think you might be on to something yeah i think someone said average uh bitcoin price is negative seven percent for the month over the last decade so yeah I don't, I don't know what's next. And we, we just uh, went through some pre- pretty big resistance. It was weird that the equity markets were really strong this morning. And then kind of crypto was retesting, retesting different uh, ranges. And, but then we just broke out again in Bitcoin above 44K. So if we can, if we can get above 45, 46 towards 50, I mean, that's going to, once a lot of traders are, looking at this, like some traders are taking profit right now because they'll just, the logic is they'll just buy back in higher. Right. Cause they want to see if this is going to be complacency shoulder. So if this is a complacency shoulder where we're just, this is just a dead cat bounce. So we're going to drop back down and we're, we are going to visit the 20, low 20 Ks, but I'm not going to trade this market like that. I'm just, I got my conviction and I'm just, I'm just betting that this thing's we're going to see a hundred K Bitcoin in the next six months. And I'm with you. You know, I'm, I've been, uh, you know, doubling down, if you will, uh, when some of these dips have been happening, you know, I've been buying, I got, uh, you know, filled a couple orders in those forties when we saw it, you know, I was actually really surprised to see it, but, uh, you know, felt good now that it's coming back up too. But again, like I'm to a certain point where, you know, wherever this thing does go, you know, I'm committed and, uh, you know, I'm in it right now. That being said, Again, none of this is financial advice. That's why we're doing this. This is a journey. We're sharing information, bringing people, you know, with us, but also just I'm trying to get people to integrate this into their lives because it's not going away. I mean, it's going to be here forever. The whole Bitcoin to zero is actually like impossible at this point. I mean, different things I've been reading and whatnot. So the financial advice, though, uh, the real financial advice is Gary Gensler telling you to save $5 every single day and somehow get 8% on your cash. So that I love how that's considered financial advice, but not to go all in on Bitcoin to become financially free is in financial advice. <laughs> right. I mean, cause even when I was listening to him say that it's just crazy thinking that, Oh yeah, I can save $5 a week for my entire working life and I'll have $135,000. <laughs> Yeah, like, it's like you can't even like you can't even buy a you can't even buy like you can a house average cost of a house in America is like got to be close to four hundred k at this point. Right. So I mean, just I it was really odd that they put that message out. You know, I know that's something that you know we were going to talk about a little bit was with is uh you know Gary Gensler and whatnot. But you know now that you know just to bring it up, it made me think about you know, there are certain, like, there's some mayors, a mayor out there that shared this story where he wanted to give everybody in his town, you know, 500 to a thousand dollars of Bitcoin with, you know, the stipulation, they can't sell it for five years. 
Now, if he would have said something at least along those lines or about fintech and people that never had access to fucking banks and now they can have access to the financial markets and can buy some stocks, maybe like even promoting something like Cash App. But it was like ridiculous to see that because there's a lot of places in America just like in a place like El Salvador where people have phones and internets, but don't have access to banks. So they're taking their paycheck, you know, to the mini mart down the street, cashing their check and getting taxed by the government, getting taxed by, you know, the guy behind the counter. So it's just to see that like hit me in the stomach on so many levels, but I couldn't even imagine like how that might make some other people feel, but you know, I'd love to hear, uh, I know you've been following some of those a little bit, but you know, what do you have to say about my friend, uh, Gary over in Washington. Gary, uh, from what people are saying and from what I've noticed, it, he he taught a class MIT, a blockchain class, I believe. Mm-hmm. He seems like he's a Bitcoin maxi. I've, I've and, picked that up. And whether these guys are, I mean, wh- what they say is just absolutely moronic. So it's either they're moronic and idiots or they have like some type of agenda in the background where they they're paving the way for a Bitcoin ETF. Right. So he's coming down like really hard on crypto and everything right now, trying to say like this could be secure. These coins could be securities, which if they are deemed that, then these exchanges cannot list them. So there's like a chance like. He comes down hard and then it kind of, you know, crypto now, I think a lot of people are realizing how we talked about this in the first time are realizing how powerful we are now mm-hmm. as far as, you know, different political groups holding Bitcoin, different politicians holding Bitcoin. I mean, Jameson Lopp is putting together a full website of every single senator that holds Bitcoin. Right. So, so we can see who who's on our side in the background, so who's not being very vocal about it. So we're 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 they're gonna come probably gonna come down hard at first, and then we're gonna just fight back like crazy. Now we can just you know pretty much get the people the middle finger now and put our money where our mouths are and start lobbying and right. lowering lowering up, uh, making you know helping things move forward, but. So Gary probably is coming down hard, and but he seems like he's a Bitcoin maxi, and he's trying to pave a way for a, a safe Bitcoin ETF. And who knows what's going to happen to the rest of these altcoins? I mean, that's why I like these altcoins. Mm-hmm. I, I have bets in, in some of them now. Like I'm not a Bitcoin maxi at all anymore. I'm like have I've ha- been having the most fun I've ever had in my life in crypto. Right. Not being a Bitcoin maxi. That being said, like the majority of my wealth is in Bitcoin because I think it's the biggest total addressable market. And yep. and if these regulators are going to come down on it, then Bitcoin has just like the, the biggest fighting chance. And if if only a few alts la- like can make it through Gary Gary's Gensler's agenda, then great. But if right. like he just wants Bitcoin to succeed, you know that's <clears throat> that's going to be tough uh, for for a lot of people invested in a lot of this stuff. So. It's at the end of the day, you know, we can get mad at him for his views on it, but uh, I think the community is going to step up and fight back. You see that with mm-hmm. the Maynet uh, conference. Uh, what were they doing in New York? They had a big conference, and he, uh, what's the guy that works for them? Who's the head guy at Mazari? 
It is sorry. he uh, Ryan Sel- Selkis. Okay. He's doing he's he's doing a lot of great things as far as pushing back and get rallying the community together, getting rid of Bitcoin Maxi or ETH Maxi tribe and rallying the whole crypto community together to right. donate some money to to lobby and stand up to the to these different regulations they want to impose. So I'm I'm always optimistic. There's definitely gonna be problems and challenges ahead, but Gary, Gary's just the the first first boss we gotta face. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, uh, hearing that too, you know, please share that stuff uh, with me. You know, I'll share it in the show notes this week and really just share it in, you know, every time I send out an email and stuff. So it'll be in there, you know, for, uh, you know, for our audience and, uh, you know, anybody they want to share it to as well. But, uh, you know, to keep talking about, you know, we talked about Bitcoin a lot and then uh, we've been hearing about, you know, your little crypto journey. Now, I know you've been, uh, you've been on the Solano network, you know, there a bit, you know, doing some stuff, uh, was it have you been on radium as well you got some ray going and things like that um i don't i don't own that okay, <clears throat> i own so yeah. i've been on radium so that's why i uh, was excited to talk to you about solana and i know you've been okay. on their uh, their network so i would love to hear what is, ra- is what is radium do i'm looking them up. there are decks as well yeah so okay radium so there's is built on solano and yeah solana and then uh you, know, you can trade on it and uh and whatnot but i actually so i bought some ftt which is a ftx's token i bought it on on that yeah on radium uh because i was trying to figure out how to buy ftt yeah because i would say i have f i use ftx for trading mm-hmm. um but it's i think they don't they don't offer it for us so uh, on uh, radium you can swap solana for for wrapped ftt and you can mm. uh you can stake it in uh, different or yield it yield farm it and stake it in different and then there's also mango markets as well it's it's not it's, so i own i own uh serum okay yep uh that's uh, that's a dex as well mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I, yeah so that's that's interesting to see they have a couple different and and then and then they have the mango markets as well so that's that's also says it says powered by solana and serum yep so that's okay interesting um, I'm I'm extremely bullish on Solana. I don't hold any ETH anymore. Yep. I just hold Solana. I mean, if if ETH, I am bull. Actually, am bullish on ETH. Uh, but if this whole space is going to be bullish, then I think Solana obviously has a bigger upside. Like I think Solana can easily go to a thousand bucks. Overtake Binance. I mean, just just using it. They had a they had a quite a bit of a setback with <laughs> everything shutting down. Yeah. Right. And like I had a couple of friends text me like, should I sell my salon? I'm like, don't, don't sell it. Like it's, it's, I mean, luckily like one of the lead developers or uh, co-founders, whoever kind of started the, the protocol said, you know, good thing it happened now then, yeah, you right. know, with, with 2 billion users on there, whether they get there or not is, is a bet, but I'm I'm extremely bullish. There's there's ETH DeFi ETH DeFi where you using MetaMask and stuff like that. And there's like the Bitcoin DeFi with Sovereign and Stacks and just I've used all those two. And then using Solana, it was just by far like the clean uh, cleanest UI, super fast, super cheap, and it just it just it's, it was just a you know a gut feeling. This thing is going to be this thing's going to be big. And, you know, I don't think, I don't think he's going to go away. 
I think it's starting to, you're trying to see like, it's actually kind of becoming like Bitcoin a little bit or yeah, those two are going to be, be around. Um, but I, yeah, I, 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 I don't hold any ETH anymore just because yeah. I'm pretty bullish on Solana. So. so I think it's really interesting too, when you look at almost some of the different cultures involved too. So like, you know, Bitcoin, you know, has been around, you know, really it's kind of, you know, Bitcoin's king when it comes to some of this stuff and you can date, you know, look back into, you know, cryptography and cypherpunks and a lot of different things that go back that way. Then when you're looking at like Ethereum and some of that network, it really takes me into the whole gamer network and, you know, World of Warcraft, like a lot of different, like alternate little realities, really cool games, things like that. Now, then like with Solana, you know, you have a little bit of that, but then it's really crossing into like this sports world too, and esports and games and things of that nature, where it's like some competitiveness. And then I'm not, I'd be really, uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see more sports betting, things like that starting to pop up on Solana. Cause you know, mm-hmm. I see them, you know, really tied with Sam Bakeman fried FTX, a lot of that movement. And all you're seeing from FTX right now are huge, you know, endorsement deals across every single sport, bringing in a lot of, you know, different sports stars as, as far as like how culturally how that works. And then yeah. same thing with guys like, uh, like Steph Curry and like, and then he owns NFTs and he's big, like, you know, just crossing all of these things together. And like you're saying, like, I'm bullish on Solana for, you know, reasons like that, just like how I liked Ethereum, um, just because of kind of that network too, and what they were building on it. And uh, obviously I love Bitcoin. So uh, like we were saying, I always encourage people to try and, you know, get out there and learn on there a little bit, you know, be careful. Obviously you don't want to get, you know, don't ever send like your crypto or your coins to like anybody through an Instagram message or anything like that, but you know, save your passwords and your seeds. But you know, I use like a phantom wallet on the Solana network. And then once you get on there and you have some solar, whatever, you know, you can try these different, you know, there's all sorts of different systems and projects and, learn a little bit because it's the same thing as like when you learned how to use your iPhone, when you learned how to use your computer, when you learned how to use Excel for work. So don't let like people on TV or things, you know, things are going to change. Yeah. Obviously look at between the year 2000 to 2020, how much stuff changed and that can happen with finance and DeFi can help you do that. DeFi can help you get back five hours a day of your life. If you learn about some of these projects and how they're supporting each other and building you know, little mini ecosystems. So another reason why we want to start talking about DeFi a lot, it's almost like playing a video game, but you can play a little game just like people play games at banks and just like people have been playing games, you know, with our money for a long time. Now we get to play some games with our own money and make some. So Marcus, thank you so much. If you have anything else to share with the people, you know, please do. But, you know, we'll always have an open seat for you here on the weather report at Stash or Pass It, my friend. I appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I think the next three to six months are going to be an exciting time. Uh, but just got to stay humble and stack sats, as Matt O'Dell would say. Uh, I'm, and we can talk about this after. But I'd be curious uh, to hear what uh, what Austin thinks are about everything. I guess I can go watch the show from last time if you have it published. But yeah, I mean, I can uh, just to talk about it a little bit. Uh, you know, just on the stack sats uh, element there too. You know, actually, my friend Mike, who I do this show with uh, on the culture report side of it, you know, started calling me big stack shoegarts just because I've been trying to get all my <laughs> friends to stack sats, even in the littlest way. If that is downloading the fold app and just cash, they were already going to spend, 
you know, just to get them involved a little bit, because then that can take you down some other rabbit holes or just to download Coinbase and play their little interactive games to, you know, learn these learning modules and get some free money and then convert it over to Bitcoin. So now you got some, you can send that Bitcoin to another wallet. But anyways, just to talk to Austin about a little bit, uh, like you were saying, you know, he is, um, you know, now starting to essentially he's DeFi bugged himself. You know, we were talking about it a little bit, you know, over the course of this show. And, you know, Austin always likes to talk about, you know, remaining like open, keeping an open mind, especially when it comes to technology and projects, you know, doing your homework and whatnot. But he really likes uh, Luna right now because of their total value locked. You know, there's a lot, Mm -hmm. I think a third of all the Luna coins are locked. And then that doesn't actually include the, it's called like B Luna, like whenever it's wrapped in like a smart contract, I believe Mm -hmm. like, you know, so that doesn't actually even include those. But um, yeah, so we're going to be diving into it. So that is, you know, where he's really laser focused right now. And then he plans to open, you know, an Orca 3 and an Orca DeFi, where he will just be essentially, you know, what Voyager does with people's uh, money. You know, when you you buy on Voyager, you can buy Bitcoin, Ethereum, you know, I use Voyager and you can earn a yield. You know, they're taking your money and your crypto and they're, you know, doing different lending things essentially. So you know, these DeFi programs give you the ability to do that and then make those yields, make that passive income through a variety of different things. But it's going to take, you know, more people and it takes liquid to build these ecosystems. So certain ones like Luna with a lot of total value locked into that. So that means there's a lot of money that can't necessarily be pulled out of that, a rug pull, if you will. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, I mean, that's why he's focused on that one versus another one. But, uh, he is very bullish on Solana as well. Um, and I know, uh, you know, obviously his partner, Jeff, you know, has, uh, you know, I haven't gotten to talk to him a lot and stuff, but, uh, you know, he likes Solana and, um, and also, you know, does some other things, but we'd love to get him on the cool. show sometime too, but yeah. Yeah. I think, I think it's important like to, to, for me, uh, just some a way I invest is just picking an ecosystem and, and doubling down on it instead of like spreading your, your capital out to like trying to bet on like what, what all it's going to do. Well, if you have like built some conviction and try out these different protocols, use these different wallets, like phantom and stuff like that, or MetaMask. like if you want to pick ETH, pick ETH, you want to pick Solana, pick Solana, you want to pick AVAX or Luna or something else, like put some time and and effort into that and put in, you know, 50 to a hundred K for that VC, like kind of deal. Cause these are all like in the day, like kind of VC stuff. Like you're, you're betting on like, this is going to be a unicorn where, Bitcoin's that safe bet that yep. you can just keep stacking every day. So that's right. And that's what we've always said from the beginning. The less you know, the more you should focus on Bitcoin. And if you're really my personal opinion, which is not financial advice, is if you are getting into this for the first time, you know, you need to focus on Bitcoin and stack up, you know, a good sum of that. Why you can even learn some of these other things. But for example, yeah. if you have five thousand dollars that you've been saving. I would put it in the Bitcoin and dollar cost average, and then maybe save some more money to, you know, monkey around on some things, play around on some things and learn a network or two. But, you know, I wouldn't necessarily be someone like, Oh yeah, if I've, you know, you'll see these things on Instagram and they're, you know, you're pulling slot machines. Yeah, sure. It can happen. But, you know, if you want to talk about something that can financially potentially free yourself and the next generation and generations to come, you know, I'm investing in Bitcoin. Yeah, that, that's what my course will be like, like just like 
beginner Bitcoin and then like middle layers, like you add in a couple of other different pro- protocols and like the last layer is like, you know, leverage and options and exchanges. Yeah. And then you got the Bitcoin NFTs and then our uh, NFTs in general. And so it's a, definitely it's a long learning curve. And that's what I'm really excited for. And, you know, this is something like I was telling you, I'm going to be part of, uh, you know, what's called the Heart Collective. And, you know, courses like these, information like this, I think is extremely valuable, especially in a time when, you know, people are going to pull at your fear or your fear of missing out and try and take advantage of you or just, you know, these certain things that are programmed into your DNA about, you know, wanting quick success and instant gratification. They're going to pull those strings and try to like get you to do things that really might not be a good idea. And that's what's great with a course like what Marcus is talking about building, like really taking you down a path to educate you. And then I'm really excited to uh, you know learn more about it. The way I met Marcus was literally through that, listening to him talk about Bitcoin, describe it, taking me to different resources and explaining things in a very, you know, poised and, uh, you know, easy to follow manner. I appreciate that. Yeah. So, well, again, my friend, thank you so much. This was another incredible weather report. We got to sit down with the infamous Marcus Moles coming to us live from Oregon. And thank you again, my friend. And welcome back to the Culture Report. This week, we're going to end our episode with a mindful minute. And we're going to do that with a reading from a book called The Prophet. Now, this book is one of my absolute favorites. It was published in 1923 and has been translated into over 100 different languages. The author's name is Khalil Gibran, and it consists of 26 different short stories, fables, poems, you know, written in a beautiful way. But, you know, it's really easy to read. You know, I've read this book many times over. I like to read it and then meditate or meditate and then read it. You know, I recently brought it with me on a four day whitewater rafting retreat that I went on with the Heart Collective, a beautiful group of men that, you know, former athletes, former professional athletes, and we went out there, you know, and did some soul searching, but it was a great, great journey. And, you know, this book was with me all along those ways. So I thought I would share it during our mindful minute. And, you know, this week, I just let it open to a random page. And it happened to be the story about joy and sorrow. So this week, I'm going to do this reading, and that's going to be our mindful minute. Then a woman said, speak to us of joy and sorrow. And he answered, your joy is your sorrow unmasked. Your joy is your sorrow unmasked. In the self-same well from which your laughter rises, was oftentimes filled with your tears. And how else can it be? The deeper that sorrow carves into your being, the more joy you can contain. Is not the cup that holds your wine the very cup that was burned in the potter's oven? And is not the lute that soothes your spirit the very wood that was hollowed with knives? When you are joyous, look deep into your heart and you shall find it is only that which has given you sorrow that is giving you joy. When you are sorrowful, look again in your heart and you shall see that in truth 
you are weeping that which has been your delight. Some of you say joy is greater than sorrow, and others say, nay, sorrow is the greater. But I say unto you, they are inseparable. Together they come, and when one sits alone with you at your board, remember that the other is asleep upon your bed. Verily, you are suspended like scales between your sorrow and your joy. Only when you are empty are you at standstill and balanced. When the treasure keeper lifts you to weigh his gold and his silver, needs must your joy or your sorrow rise or fall. And that's a mindful minute with your boy, Big Stack Shoe Guards. And that's a wrap, folks. Thank you so much for being here with us again. Week 10 is in the books. And yes, this is episode nine. Because like I said, if you're a stash at OG, you remember that our first episode was episode zero. But we love everybody that has joined us. We have viewers coming in from all over the world. Yes, all over the world. Because you can track that stuff now. India, South Korea, Japan, welcome to the Stash It or Pass It Revolution. We got states coming in from North Carolina, South Carolina, Florida, Texas, Ohio, Michigan, California, Arizona, Oregon, Maine, Rhode Island. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for being here with us. This is only the beginning. Again, remember to check those show notes. We got some referral links. And like I said, check out The Love of My Life. Her name is Kelsey Aida and her newest book. Yes, this is number three, Letters to the Universe. I will have links in the show notes in my profile everywhere you can find them. And I think you should buy this book. You can get it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or wherever else you like to buy books and read them. It's called Letters to the Universe. It's an interactive notebook journal, and it's incredible, baby. But as always... Thanks for being here with us. Our man, Big Smoke, Big Smudge, will be back next week. I was doing a bit of traveling down here in Alabama, celebrating my mother's 60th birthday. Had to give her a little surprise. But this show means a lot to us. We're coming live from the basement because that's what it's going to take to win. Again, thank you for being here with me.